Hello once again to Great Questions, Great Conversations. I'm Mike Westendorf. I'm the host of this podcast, and with me is our favorite collaborator, Pastor Pete Panitsky, who has been part of this from the get-go. And uh, we have been uh, we've been diving all over the place um, based on a lot of questions that have come in, uh, some to you and some that have come in to me, and, and we've been running with them. And uh, Pastor Pete, how are you doing today? I am feeling great. My voice isn't still 100%, but I am feeling great. You sound better than a, than a week ago, so going in the right direction. That's, That's good. That's right. That's right. the, the pneumonia front that hit us yesterday didn't uh, bother you too much, did no, it? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, we are um, going to dive into a topic that uh, I'll be honest, uh, Pastor Pete, that if you hadn't made such a regular um, statement about go back to your baptism, go back to your baptism, go back to your baptism, I'm not really sure how important or understood baptism would be uh, for me. And I think that uh, I probably rep- that stance probably represents a lot of Christians, particularly um, uh, those in the Lutheran, possibly Catholic um, uh, faith traditions that baptize, believe in infant baptism. And so I, I wanted to call this one, we were always a little bit, you know, how, how do you title uh, title something that gets people's attention and doesn't get lost in the mundane? But we titled this one, The Problem with Baptism. And uh, that sounds uh, scary. There's actually no problem with baptism. Uh, it's beautiful, but there's a lot of misunderstanding around baptism. So I'd like to to turn you loose on a couple of spaces where we first talk about what baptism is. Uh, we talk about it in the Lutheran faith, our Lutheran faith, that it is a means of grace. Um, and maybe talk a little bit about how um, how it differs in the rest of the world of Christianity. And we'll just kind of go from there as we typically do. So, uh, Pastor Pete, good morning. Here's here's the the big question. Help me understand baptism. What is it? What does it do? Why is it important? Thanks, Mike. Um, I think one of the big uh, ahas that I received was uh, for the longest time, I you know, why is we talk about the three means of grace, God's word, thank you, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Three different tools that God uses to bring the message of God's forgiveness to us. And I always kind of struggled with why, you know, why three? What does each one of them give? Does do 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 we receive different promises in each one of them? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, Augustine talked about you know the the sacraments as the the visible gospel. You know, um, and I think that's a good way to think about it. Uh, I think I've come up with a better one. Not that <laughs> I'm better than the the great you know. <laughs> Uh, Put yourself on the pedestal with Augustine, I see. Okay, that's good. That's right up there. Just a little bit under, yeah. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh, But what has helped me the most is there are all ways that God says, I love you. And you can say to somebody, I love you. You can give somebody a hug. The message is the same, I love you. You can kiss somebody. The message is the same. I love you. So in God's word, 
we hear the message where God says to us, Mike, I love you. I've forgiven you. I've claimed you as my own. You are my child. It's right there in God's word. Mm -hmm. But I believe that God understands the way Satan attacks us. The very first challenge that Jesus faced from Satan in the wilderness was his identity. Yeah, if yeah, you right. are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Right. You know, so so uh, I think of listening to God's word as sometimes it's like I'm in the back of a room filled with people and God is saying up at the front of the room, hey, I love you all. And I'm standing in the back of the room thinking that's true for everybody else except me. Right. And baptism and the Lord's Supper are God's way of walking through the crowd, wrapping his arm around me and saying, Pete, I don't just love you. Don't just love everybody else except you. I love you personally. See, a, you know, a, a hug or a kiss is much more personal. Yeah. Same message, same promises as what's in the word, just so much more personal. I I love that. I'm I'm looking over at my notes, not my note sheet, and I'm gonna go grab my note and paper because I gotta write that one down. The means of grace. And this is a churchy term. Um I and you 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 hit it hit it beautifully. Um, but I, I want to make sure our listeners don't run past us because you're going to hear this in these kinds of conversations over and over again. But means of grace, just one more time, recap that we means of grace. What do the means of grace do? And let me go on paper. The, the means or tools that God uses to bring grace or forgiveness to us. So God's word gives us that message of forgiveness. Baptism and the Lord's Supper give us that same message of forgiveness. In contrast, for example, to marriage. Marriage doesn't give you forgiveness. In fact, oh, okay, sure. Uh, you know, sure. God has commanded that, you know, a, a man and a woman, if they want to live together, they, they should get married. This is God's command. But there's no promise of forgiveness. In fact, once you get married, you find out that marriage is a guilt-provoking, sin-provoking thing. Because I always laugh, you know, I lived I lived in a dormitory for nine years. And if I had a falling out with a roommate, we just had more space. One of us moved out and it was, you know. Yeah. Then I got married and I found out I could say the right words, but with the wrong tone. And I was sinning against the person that I love the most. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, as you come become closer to people, you realize how easy it is for you to sin against each other so yeah. marriage doesn't in the command itself does not bring forgiveness it's a call to keep on forgiving each other right or prayer prayer doesn't you know isn't doesn't give the promise of forgiveness because prayer is us talking to god yeah now when we pray very often we use god's word right mm -hmm. So as I pray, especially like I'm wrapping up a conversation with somebody, and let's pray. Uh, I will quote some passage from the Bible that reminds the person and myself that we are God's forgiven children. 
but prayer mm-hmm. itself is not a means of grace. Right. It is, you know, us talking to God. Uh, so, so I, you know, just how is God speaking to us of that message of love? And it, it's God's word that we can read or hear or even remember, right? Right. The means of grace is, you know, the, the, the word of God in the middle of the night when you're struggling and, and you remember, oh, yeah, God said, I will forgive your wickedness and will remember your sin no more. I'm going to hold on to that, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, the remembered word is powerful, but it's God's word and then baptism and the Lord's Supper. Thank you for that. And and I I love that too. The the three tools, the, the means of grace, the three tools of which God gives us the message of God's forgiveness, three ways that God says, I love you. They help us remember God loves you. Right. Um, that's beautiful. And, and they don't give us a, a new forgiveness. I mean, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. You know, it's not like, you know, I hear God's, I, I read God's word this morning, and I, I see the promise of where, where the, the uh, my reading this morning was where the uh, Isaiah prophesies that, that the spirit of the Lord will be on the Messiah, and he will proclaim freedom for the captives mm-hmm. and forgiveness of sins. And I, I can claim that forgiveness of sins. It's not a new forgiveness. It's just an, God saying to me again, Pete. I know you have a whole hard time believing this, but I really do forgive you. And the sacrament, Lord's Supper is the same way. When you receive the Lord's Supper, it's not like, oh, finally, all the sins of this past week have been forgiven. Right. You know, in Christ, he already died for them on Good Friday. In God's sight, they're already forgiven. We need help claiming that truth. And so these are the ways that God speaks to us and says, don't forget that I love you and I've forgiven you. Yeah. We're going to come to communion probably next week. Um, And so I want to come back to that one next week. But uh, as you were, as you were talking about, um, uh, I like the picture of the crowd because I I feel that way a lot of times too, even in our, our our church and in, in, in our church tradition in the Lutheran church, uh, we do something called the confession and an absolution every week. And it's, it is an opportunity. I think it's very important. Uh, if, if repentance requires faith, um, it's actually an act of faith is to come to God who you trust will forgive. And you say, this is where I've been in the muck and the mire. Um, Help me believe again that I am forgiven, that Jesus really did pay it all. And then we hear the absolution that you are, in fact, forgiven. And for so long, I've just felt like it was an all-y'all type of a thing. And then when we start talking about the means of grace, that's why when you said it even this morning, you know, just what a comfort that it's he's not talking about the big crowd. He's got his eyes on you personally and the person next to them personally. It's not a crowd. It's the individual. And so let's dump, jump into then um, the beauty of baptism, uh, maybe why God instituted that. Um, you're a context guy. So I'd like finding out, you know, that there's, you know, the, the ritual of baptism is, is something that's been around for a while, but seems to have come about the time of Jesus, but it has not symbolic remembrance or some act that we do, but we believe in what the Bible shows us to be really, truly a means of grace, a way of working faith when a dead thing can't 
become alive by itself. So take us through what baptism is uh, more from a theological standpoint, and then maybe we can start drilling into the application and the challenges of, of it. So, so maybe just, you know, there are two great doctrines in the Bible, law and gospel. Right. Is, the ba- is baptism law or gospel? Is baptism God commanding us to do something? Or is, is it a promise that God is giving to us? And what, what breaks my heart is, is so often I hear in conversations this idea that, that you must be baptized. Well, that comes across as a law. Yeah, very you much know, so. That, that, that you must, you know, and, and so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who, who, who insist on, on adult baptisms, you know, they say, well, you must confess your faith. Baptism is an act of confession, and so you have to be an adult. So it's an act of submission. It's an act of obedience. And as you read through the Gospels and the, you know, the, the New Testament, you know, and I would encourage you to just look for every reference that you can about baptism, you'll find this isn't a command, do this to be obedient. This is an invitation. Be baptized because God wants to give you something in baptism. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a key, you know, wh- why, why do we so, are we so insistent on infant baptism? Because this is just one of those places where we're reminding people this is a gift from God. This is not an act of obedience. So we're bringing our children because we want this gift given to our children as well. Hmm. You know, it's um, I, I really appreciate that. I'm just writing notes on these itty-bitty little squares, so I couldn't find my actual notebook. <laughs> um, not a command, but an invitation uh, to, re- you know, to receive God's the blessings that come from that. I, I am, especially when I was younger, very much a black and white person. I think honestly, when we're all younger, we just, uh, we like a well-ordered world. We've been brought up to believe that the the world is ordered. Uh, if then thinking, uh, if I do this, then I get that. If you do this, so fairness, judge all that. And so in my, in my younger years, I, my main concern is, am I doing Christianity right? And so I was looking for all of the things that say, in our church body, we're doing it right. And um, this is a this is a means of grace. I have no faith on my own, except for the thief on the cross, kind of throws a wrench into that um, because of God's word. But I have no faith on my own. I must be baptized. I, even growing up in a gospel space, generally speaking, heard command not invitation. So I'm, I'm even now, Pete, that's, that's interesting. And it's so much more comforting to me to hear it that way. And I don't know why I keep going back to, it feels like such a command. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part of our culture. Um, but as you think about the different places in in the Bible where it's written, and, and can I just share with you that when I visit with a, uh, uh, an individual, a mom or a dad uh, or parents who want baptism for their children or an adult who wants baptism for themselves, 
I I have this. This is my standard Bible study, and I start with uh, uh, Zechariah chapter three, and I just tell them honestly, this doesn't have anything to do with baptism. It's just a great picture of forgiveness. And in Zechariah chapter three, written about five hundred years before the time of Christ, Zechariah sees this vision of Joshua the high priest standing there in filthy clothes. Mm. Uh, and, and the word for filthy clothes is actually excrement-covered clothes. Right, right. Um, and and that uh, Satan is right there accusing. And the Lord says, oh, take off his filthy clothes, put clean garments on him. I've forgiven you. You know, you're my, you know, put a, a turban on his head, put the diadem holy to the Lord on his head, you know, in other words, what a beautiful picture of forgiveness. God sees all of the, the filth of our sins, and God says, I'm just going to clothe you in the perfection that I have. And I start there, mm-hmm. and then I jump to Galatians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul says that as many of us as, many of us as have been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. So what, what is that new garment that God has given us? That new garment is Jesus himself. Mm. In baptism, we get to wrap ourselves up in a Jesus coat. So that when God the Father looks at us, he says, you look just like my son Jesus. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what did God the Father say to Jesus on the uh, uh, on the day of Jesus' baptism? This oh, is my you, son. Are, yeah. you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So God the Father looks at us and and he says, Mike, you look just like my son. Mike, you are my son whom I love. And this is the one that really blows me away. Mike, with you, I am well pleased. Yeah. How often aren't you not pleased with yourself? And God the Father is saying in your baptism, I am well pleased with you. Um, You know, and I just explained to it. especially parents who bring their children that, you know, I, I want this blessing for, for children, but I want you to claim this blessing for yourself first, because after getting married, becoming a parent is the other most guilt provoking thing you can do mm-hmm. because your children deserve a perfect parent. That's what you want for them. Every yeah. one of us wants to be the perfect parent for our, Amen. our kids. Amen. And the harder we try the more we're going to fail and the more we need to remember that God, the father is looking us at us and saying, Oh, you look just like my son, Jesus, even though you're a father and you see all the stains and, and filth of the, the ways you, you failed. I see you as my perfect son, Jesus. I love you. And I am well pleased with you. Or I see you as my perfect daughter, mm-hmm. perfectly cleansed, wrapped up in Jesus. Mom, I love you, and I am well pleased with you. Yeah. Don't we need to hear that over and over again? Yeah. And when I talk with with godparents, uh, you know, I I just introduce it that way. Just say, you know what? I I, I wish that uh, little uh, baby uh, uh, would would uh, have a perfect life and never have tough days. But I know that this baby is going to grow up and have a lot of tough days and a lot of days when they question themselves and godparents that's when we when we really need you to step in 
and remind them of this day, that what God promised them today is true every day of their life. You are my son, you are my daughter, with you I am well pleased. Mm. Even though you see all the times you failed. Yeah. It's, it's all a gift, right? It's all a gift. And and this is what bothers me. You know, it's just, oh, you know, when people don't understand that, you know, when they think of baptism as command, you're missing out on so much comfort. Yeah, because if it's command, then it's everything that I have to, I do. This is my thing that I'm doing back for God, which can never be beautiful. It's still crap covered <laughs> and, and 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 that's why uh, it's it not uncommon for people to be baptized in an adult baptism you know faith to be mm-hmm. baptized more than once because yeah they, they baptize I'm making a commitment for to, to Christ and I'm being baptized and then they blow it and they fall away for a while and they okay now I'm going to recommit to Christ so I'm going to be baptized again. And the reality is you don't need to be baptized again. You just need to go back and claim the promise that was always there. You know, that the Jesus is the father, or the, the father is the, the father in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. You know, and, and in your baptism, God the Father is promising you, I am this father. I am looking for and waiting for you. And you may be the prodigal who's wandered away and, and lost the benefit of the promises that I've given you in your baptism. But when you recognize I, I've sinned, I'm always here and I'm looking for you and the promise is here and I'll welcome you back because in Christ, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. There are a couple different directions I want to go, but I think I'll go this way. Um, you know, there's blessings attached to... to um, Baptism. One of the things I remember teaching confirmation that I, I really appreciated was this idea that the forgiveness of of God that Jesus won is for all people. But without faith, you do not benefit from what it is that he did. Uh, you don't receive the blessing when there is no faith in what it is. He did. It's not that God failed. It's that I haven't been humble or I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> as, as the gospel comes to me, I have the opportunity to reject it. The faith working is already started by the Holy Spirit there, and um, I don't receive the benefit. So when it comes to this, help me understand then, um, is there an argument to be made that I don't need baptism? I mean, Jesus seems to command it. Um, can I have these blessings? What blessings am I missing by not having baptism? So you're not missing any blessings, but then you are also saying to Jesus, I know better than you. Oh, it introduces arrogance into yeah, the relationship. Because, because Jesus knows, you know, I am giving you a gift. Excuse me. Guess I'm still not 100%. <laughs> Bless I'm feeling you. great, but it just is not right here. Right. Um. But Jesus knows we need this strength. And if we, yeah, like you said, arrogance, if we just say, nah, I don't need it. That's true of baptism. That's true of the Lord's Supper. 
you know, you don't need it in this, you know, because Jesus, when he told his disciples to go out and preach in, in uh, Mark chapter 16, said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. You know, it's, yeah. it's belief or non-belief. That's the key. But if you believe, well, then you you want God to wrap your, his arms around you and give you a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I've been sick for the last week. And in our household, we, Johnny and I try not to give each other germs. Right. So I, 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 I try to stay away from her and I try not to kiss her, you know, and, and she does the same thing for me. And, and after about a week, it's like, we can't wait to, to, to when we're feeling better because we want to show each other our love for each other. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I want my father's love shown to me in every way that he offers? Yeah. If I don't, there's something there's something wrong with me if I don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh that's very helpful. I I wonder about this this picture. Um I, I think we're gonna have to go here. Um the once saved, always saved, but let me get there huh. by by this path. Um I always kind of saw it as a seal. You know, I think that there's one of the one of the passages yeah. that You're talks about it the as Holy a, Spirit, right? Yeah, that that this leaves me more susceptible. At least that's the way that I internalize this. That with without baptism, and quite frankly, without reflecting on what it actually means, without again, I have the I have it, but I don't I don't reflect on what it means or the comfort. And one of the greatest blessings is I'm hearing you talk. Ultimately, is this comfort the personal touch of God to wrap me in and to claim me. Uh, and I love the picture that you have again. I, I'm well pleased with you because you're robed in my son. That's what baptism has done without that. It's not that we don't have it, but I'm missing. I feel like a seal um, for those who can, you know, you want to, you want that the preservatives to seal and, and, and to be in there. Or if you've got a, a, an engine for all of you car mechanics who are listening in, you know when your when your oil is leaking because it gets past the seal, you know there's stuff that gets past it. And am, am I off in my thinking on that? That baptism, one of the blessings, is that it's a seal. I don't even know Ultimately, if that's really the, the right Holy, question. The Holy, the Holy Spirit Himself is the seal conveyed to us through word and baptism and the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, and we have to remember that we are we are this split personality. Yeah. We have a we have a a sinful nature that's always been there. And then God creates this new self within us. When he brings us to faith, he creates this new self. This is part of the miracle of the Holy Spirit. Right. And then we need to think in terms of, is God speaking to the old self or the new self? When he talked, when the Holy, Holy Spirit speaks through the Apostle Paul and talks about, you've received the seal of the Holy Spirit. Who is he talking to there? He's talking to the new self 
who needs to be encouraged and say, don't be afraid. But when uh, Jesus in uh, the Gospels warns, look out, don't sin against the Holy Spirit. Or in Ephesians chapter 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There he is, he is speaking that old self within us. There it's law, warning you can you can break that seal you you can push the holy spirit away and this is part of the the mystery uh, of, of faith i can't make the holy spirit come into me i can't bring myself to faith and yet i can say no to the holy spirit i can reject the working of the holy spirit so yeah. when I when I'm confident in my faith, I need to hear, oh yeah, I'm baptized, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit, I'm safe. But when I I'm I'm struggling to believe that you know, maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't worked faith in me. And that's when I I just have to go back and say, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not even sure if I believe that. Right. Do I believe that I believe? I don't know, man. I'm struggling right now. All I know is he died for the sins of the whole world, and I'm part of the world. I'm just going to hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, baptism is not the seal. The Holy Spirit is the seal. Um, let's let's just let's get into that real quick. Just you know, part of the 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 the, the problem with baptism. Um is that there is a mindset that shows up and again our arrogance and our sinful I know better than Jesus who also you know God's word don't give up meeting together why should I go to church I don't have to I have I have these podcasts I don't have to be a part of the community I don't like people so <laughs> I'd rather not be around all those other people who are worshiping um and it's just another one of these statements that say I know better than God which is just flat out arrogance and 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 does not bring blessing but in the, in the evangelical world, I've I've heard that said that you know this idea of once you're saved, once you've made a decision for Christ, you are always saved. And I know that there are some people who are listening, going, "Yeah, see, those people just don't get it right." Hold on a second. Those of us who've grown up in the Lutheran tradition oftentimes have thought very little of our infant baptism and take an attitude that says, well, I don't have to do, I don't have to go to communion. I don't have to read God's word. I'm baptized. I've got it. I I have the birth, I have the baptismal certificate. So when I get to heaven and God's like, why should I let you in? You're going to show him your baptismal certificate and that's good enough. So Lutherans, we, we there's, there's some danger on both sides of this, but uh, maybe help us process this once saved, always saved. Is that true? And what is the danger of me putting too much stock in the act of baptism? All right. So I'm going to start with a passage from First Peter chapter 3. Baptism now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a good conscience towards God. It's, it's God's pledge to you. Baptism saves you, not because of what you've done, but because this is just another way that God gives you forgiveness, just like God's word saves you, mm-hmm. just like the Lord's Supper saves you in the sense that it brings you the message of forgiveness. But if it's not combined with faith, 
we lose that benefit. And the 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 once saved, always saved fails to take into consideration the the power of the sinful nature and the need for us to be forewarned against that sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love First Corinthians chapters ten, chapter ten, verses twelve and thirteen. Verse 12 says, therefore, if you think you are standing firm, yeah. uh, be careful that you do not fall. So so 1 Corinthians 10 is, Paul lists all of these times in the Old Testament where God's Old Testament people rejected uh, God's saving work. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Paul says, all of this stuff happened to warn us that we can... You know, they were they were God's chosen people. They were they were baptized into Moses in the sense that they walked through the Red Sea with Moses. They saw God's power. They they knew we have a we have the true God who is powerful and 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 can save. And yet so many of them died in rebellion against God because they believed for a time and then they lost it. Yeah. So if you think you're standing firm, if you think you're really strong in your faith. Be careful that you don't fall. You have to remember how powerful your sinful nature is. But as soon as soon as our knees are knocking that way, you know, I don't know how I'm going to hold on to my faith. Like, you know, I, I think of, uh, you know, uh, some of uh, uh, some fellow Christians who have died recently who, who saw death coming. And, and uh, I just think of, uh, uh, I don't want to, but but who who knew I am dying, and I'm I am saying confidently goodbye to my loved ones because I'm going to see them again in heaven someday. Mm-hmm. When that day comes, will I have that confidence? Right, you know, right, right. yeah. Um, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. But God is faithful. Verse thirteen. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but with the temptation will also make a way out so that you can bear up under it. Mm-hmm. Or first in John chapter 10, you know, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and I give them eternal life and no one can snatch them, them out yeah. of my hand. It's the ultimate good hands, right? right. Uh, of a Savior. So when I'm trembling with fear, then I can hold on to this promise. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm just going to trust that you can do this incredible miracle and preserve me in my faith. And then as soon as I start to take that salvation for granted, then I need to hear the warning of verse 12. Look out, you can you can fall away. Yeah. Can you fall away? Yeah. Can a Christian can can a Christian wind up in hell? You bet. And that's biblical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, isn't that what you know? If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Yeah. You know, and and and, and you just think of all the uh, people. You know, the Old Testament is filled. It's frightening to read Kings. Uh, especially as a leader of God's people, to see how faithful, how often faithful kings 
ended up poorly. Mm-hmm. They lost their faith uh, in the end. So yeah, we can we can lose our faith, uh, and so we need to take that seriously. Yeah, I I I think it's a, I, one of the things I appreciate about this too is I'm just we were thinking about it. One of the burdens that comes if for once saved, always saved is when you're struggling, then it must be proof that I don't have saving faith. And so how can one ever know now we're basically into the religion of, uh, of Islam, you know, how can I ever know if, if, if what I've done is ever really enough because the evidence of my life in, in a season of my life would appear that I don't have faith. And so that that idea that and and again I love that I did not like this at first but that you know Luther called our life is our, our life is repentance it's right. a constant you, you you'd mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about forgiveness you know forgive my forgivenesses I can't even forgive well <laughs> um, but that it, it's this it is this constant battle that's inside and through it all. Um, the Isaiah passage is smoldering wick. You will not snuff out even the, even the dullest faith at the end of a life that has not been well lived. Even the dullest faith God sees and honors. Um, that's honestly, that's one of my great hopes for a lot of people that I've known who've said, I don't want anything about Jesus, but that bad, they were baptized and that God's word has been at work and that there will come a time maybe toward the end of their life <laughs> when they're old, they will not uh, depart from it, you know? Yeah, well, and and very often people will ask, you know, is so-and-so in heaven or hell, you know, after they've died? Yeah. yeah. And and I would always encourage us, let's assume the worst of the people who have died, right? That's what we, we want to, God wants us to do that now, to assume the best uh, of you. So rather than assume the worst and say, I think they had died in unbelief, let's assume the best. But, you know, what benefit is it to us to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure they died in unbelief. Right. You know, maybe the remembered word came, came back at just the right time. I, you know, that's my hope. And and uh, if if I get to heaven and, and they're not there, then then I will understand it and go, okay, I get it, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why beat ourselves up with the worst case scenario? Let's, let's hope for the best. You know, and I do, I do that a lot with, you know, when I'm visiting at, at the deathbed of uh, uh, somebody, you know, when I'm called out uh, as a police chaplain, mm-hmm. and here's somebody that I, I don't know, um, from family members, they're saying, well, he really wasn't a church person. He didn't go to, you know, he was raised, you know, and, you know, uh, I'm not going to tell that family, well, then he went to hell. Uh, I'm going to say, well, we have a merciful God and maybe God brought him uh, to remember right at the last moment. Uh, That's what I hope. Yeah. You know, I can't change the past, but I don't know exactly what went down in that person's heart or suicide too so often you just go i'm just gonna hope for the best that maybe there is still that spark of faith even in the darkest of times you know as we're talking about this just you know again once saved always saved is no comfort to me because i i i would never know 
uh, if I'm truly saved, because too much of my life reflects moments that I, I, I have not. And so I would be one constant living under the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I'm hearing, what I'm taking away from this today, and I, again, thank you for this. It's almost like therapy for me. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that idea that the, 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 that the means of grace, God's multiple ways of saying to me personally, that I love you, that the blessing and the benefit of my baptism going all the way back. And it continues to, to, to go through my day today. Cause this is something that did happen. One of my sponsors is still alive and can tell me about it. Um, that I know that the gospel is God's gift of grace. It's his forgiveness for me. It's the assurance that he sees a son dearly loved who he is pleased with. And it's not because of anything that I've done, but because of Christ and baptism is one more reminder. And I appreciate you always saying, go back to your baptism. This happened. This, this is one, uh, another way in which God has said and continues to say to you, Mike, Pete, listener, put your name in here. I see you. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. Which gives me the strength, quite frankly, to admit that I need a savior. I think that that's the beauty of the of repentance. That's why it's an act of faith, is that God reaches me with the gospel. And my response is, well, shouldn't be. I got this, God. I'll fix it. I want to sometimes do that. Mm-hmm. But it gives me nowhere but the comfort, the comfort, the comfort that I have in my baptism. What's the... Yeah. Um, What's just one last? I, I do want to hit this one because we talked about once they always say, but um, speak a word just as in, in kind of summary, if you wouldn't mind, just of us being careful um, to use the gift of baptism well. And again, I'm just thinking about that um, sometimes that Lutheran picture of, well, that happened so long ago, it, it doesn't really. I don't have any recollection, so it doesn't have value. Or I've already been baptized. I don't have to do all the Jesus stuff. Um, this might be a good summary space because I have a feeling you'll talk about a number of the things we have. So uh, passage that comes to my mind is, is uh, Acts 2, 38 and 39, right at the end of the Pentecost sermon, where they, they've just recognized we've, we've, we've crucified the Savior. What, what should we do? And he said, repent. Recognized you, you blew it. Yeah. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And then the promises for you and for your children and for all, all who are far off. As a baptized child of God, not only am I forgiven, but I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. And uh, we didn't touch on Romans chapter six at all, but that whole idea that I, in baptism, I've died to my sins, oh, yeah. and God has raised me up to a new life. Uh, and sin shall not be your master, for you are not under law, but under grace. And for a long time, I just struggled with, you know, God is saying this command, sin shall not be your master. Right. I realized finally, it's like, no, this is, this is the promise that the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul. Sin shall not be your master. That's your promise in baptism as well. Not only forgiveness, but a changed life. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within mm. me. Right? That grant me that willing spirit that wants to do your will. And if 
there isn't that willing spirit in me that wants to do God's will, that's a time for me to go back and search my heart and repent. Because if faith is there, it's alive and active. Yeah. So you, 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 repentance is, is searching your heart, saying, Lord, I, I see an area of my life where the Holy Spirit really isn't in, in control. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, 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 I claim again God's forgiveness. I claim again the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And if there isn't that desire to, to change, to grow, Oh, brother, sister, you're just confessing that you really don't believe because Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, people say, I love Jesus, but I want to live any way I want. No, you don't love Jesus. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. I trust you, Jesus. You you, you know what's best. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do your will. I, I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to think back to my baptism. I'm, I'm going to take my roles and in, in life seriously as every interaction I have is my chance to be a little Jesus to somebody. And if I don't have that uh, approach to life that I'm here for Jesus, then there's something missing. And that thing I'm missing is faith. And the, the solution is to go back and repent and claim again your promise of forgiveness and baptism. It's just it's, a cycle. We're, you know. That's that's awesome. This, you know, yeah, we didn't hit the one that the whole idea of uh, drowning the old Adam. You know, part of that picture yeah. too. That that I I, I wake up in the morning. Uh, I go throughout my day, and and there's my doppelganger right with me. You know, it's this other part of me that I I really I don't want, but he's going to be with me until the day that I die, and I'm finally that that part is put to rest um so i always have this battle going on and so the constant picture of you know in in our church body you don't have the immersion which is a little bit more of a that that neat picture of people actually going under and coming up a new man you know if you've ever been in a bathtub or hey if we're going to do the sprinkle thing we'll call it a shower you know so you get in a shower and uh, God cleans all the muck and the, the mire off you, and you you emerge um, the the new man, the one that is is seen as as beautiful by God because of what Christ has done. Um, some great pictures, and so Pete, I I just for me the takeaway that I'm I'm listening and and, and for our listeners, if you got all the way to the end of this, uh, I'd love for you to leave a comment. Um, what what jumped out to you? What what was a comfort? And Pete, I think for me, it's just the baptism is a comfort. The, the, another way that God says, I love you, and it's personal. And that picture of, I see you, I'm well pleased. And that in my sin state, when I'm in a place where my faith is weak, and I'm certainly acting outside of my faith, um, that to know that God still sees me and is calling me back to remember who I am. And so my baptism is one of the starting places for, to remember my core identity. Um, so thank you for that. Any closing thoughts? You summarized it well. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh, we're uh, out of time. I uh, hope that this has been helpful for you as we've talked about a little bit, what is the problem with baptism? And uh, as I hope that you've heard, there isn't a problem with baptism. 
A problem is oftentimes our misconceptions, and I hope that we touched on some of them and helped bring a little bit of clarity to some of that for you. Uh, next time, we're going to talk a little bit about communion. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a similar kind of theme, but I, I know that there are, again, denominational differences in terms of what we believe and who can practice it and why do we do this? Why is there a warning attached to it? So that's going to be coming up in our, our next uh, installment of Great Questions, Great Conversations. So I hope this has been good for you. I'm Mike Westendorf. This is Pastor Pete. We will see you again next time. Mm-hmm.